Well, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're actually going to pick up actually in chapter 4, verse 17. Yeah, we're going to start with some verses we've looked at already, but just to catch the context in chapter 4, verse 17, and then read all the way through Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. So friends, listen. This is the word of Christ. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is the word of Christ. We're going to start a series today about happiness. About happiness. Happy, happy, happy. Everybody wants to be happy. If you stop and think, every decision that you make is in some way related to your pursuit of happiness. Everything that you do, every decision that you make, everything you choose to do, everything you choose not to do, the things you choose to wear, the people you choose to spend time with, the, the, the fact that you choose to go to work, right? And though sometimes you feel like you don't have a choice, but you, you do. You have choices, And every choice that we make is in one way or another a pursuit of happiness. It's in our Constitution. We have the unalienable right to pursue happiness. It's actually, it's part of our nature. It's built into us. It's part of our nature as human beings to pursue happiness. And the question for us today is, how do you do that successfully? What makes you happy? Is your, is your life happy? Is it unshakably happy? There's so many ways that people pursue happiness. I mean, it's, it's crazy. When you start to think about all the things people do in order to be happy. There were lots of opinions in Jesus' day about the ways that people pursued happiness. And they're not that dissimilar. They're actually pretty, pretty much the same <clears throat> as the way people pursue it today. Um, Some people in Jesus' day and in our day think that happiness comes through obedience, right? That if you want to be happy, you just need to be rigorously obedient to the commands. We see this today in many religions. Um, Some people believe that happiness comes through compromise, right? In Jesus' day, there were folks that believed that Israel would finally be happy when they compromised and made nice with Rome. Right, the Roman oppression. They said, you know, we just need to compromise. Let's sacrifice some of the things that we believe in order to make nice with Rome and we'll be happy. Um, this happens today, often in the workplace, with compromises that people make to be happy. 
Um, still others believe that happiness comes through violence. There were folks living in Jesus' day who thought that the way for Israel to be happy is to pick up the sword and revolt. To overthrow our Roman oppressors. And then finally, some people believed in happiness through separation. Where these folks believed that happiness would come when people left the defilement of the cities and the the defilement of the culture and formed communes of ritual holiness out in the desert. We see that today. There are people who isolate themselves from the culture, from the city. Uh, In some ways, there's a history in suburbia. There was a pursuit of this same kind of thing. I'm not saying all suburbia is bad, but there's a connection there. Now, there are problems with all of these approaches. All of these approaches are wrong. Happiness through obedience, it produces despair if you can't obey enough. Right? Because how much is enough? Happiness through compromise, that just makes you feel dirty. And you know when you're cutting corners. You know when you're selling out. Happiness through violence, well, that begets more violence. And ultimately, if it's successful, the oppressed become oppressors. You use violence to take power, you're going to use violence to keep power. And that begets this unending cycle of vengeance. And then happiness through separation, well, that leaves you irrelevant and unconnected to the people and the culture that you are called to bless. Right, great, you might be happy and holy out in the middle of nowhere, but you have no influence or no relationships with anybody outside. And frankly, that ends up turning inward and then in on itself, and people fight and bicker, and it just it doesn't lead to the right answer. Now, Jesus cares about this. Jesus cares about your happiness. It's amazing. This is the first extended message that we get from Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. This is called the Sermon on the Mount, and it spans three chapters. And in this, Jesus is declaring for anybody who is interested, for everyone who wants to know, and he's teaching us how we can be happy. The first word that Jesus speaks when he opens his mouth in verse 3 is blessed. Blessed. Jesus cares about your happiness. Jesus wants, and it's interesting, if you read the beginning of the sermon, the first eight lines, Jesus says, blessed, 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 blessed. He cares about how you feel. He cares about your life. He wants you to experience God's blessings. To be blessed means to be happy. It means to be favored. It means to be fortunate. In the sporting world, um, it's, it's, living, it's, it's living in the zone. You know, when a basketball player is in the zone, he shoots and he can't miss. In, in our lives, there's times when it kind of feels that way, or at least it did maybe once 20 years ago, right? There's times where it feels like everything is clicking, and not always. I mean, what's amazing about Jesus, what's amazing about Jesus' views on happiness is that you can find his happiness in the most unlikely places. In places you would never dream of because Jesus offers a happiness that is real despite your circumstances. And I think maybe some of you have felt that way before where you feel 
like everything is clicking, even though stuff around you isn't necessarily going the right way, you still feel happiness. You still feel a contentment. Right? That's what Jesus is aiming at for us. That's what we're going to see. And as you see Jesus' views on where happiness can be found, you're going to get an opportunity to make a decision. You are going to be able to choose whether you believe Jesus or not. Jesus is going to say, there's, today we're going to see three really unlikely places that you may find happiness. And no matter who you are, if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, you're going to get to decide whether or not you believe Jesus. If you're not a Christian, this is a chance for you to say, like, do I want to follow Jesus? Am I going to trust what he says and, and, and see if it's true? But if you're a Christian, you're committed to Jesus, and yet oftentimes in our lives, we make decisions to pursue happiness apart from Jesus. There are areas of our lives or things that we do where we're pursuing happiness, but not the way that Jesus would say. And so you're going to have an opportunity today to make a decision. Am I going to follow Jesus in these other areas of my life, in this relationship, in this thing going on at work? And that's what we're going to see. And so Jesus invites you to sit with the disciples and the crowds in verse 1. Right? Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on a mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. Jesus is offering you the chance right now to sit with them and hear him. The whole of Matthew's gospel describes Jesus' perspective on where to find happiness in life. But in this passage, in this passage we're going to look at today, Jesus says that happiness is experienced by people who are honest. That's what we're going to see today. Happiness is experienced by people who are honest. People who admit and embrace reality. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see this in the first three lines of Jesus' message. And so the first point we're going to look at is realizing honesty. So if you want to write it down, realizing honesty is our first point. The first three lines of Jesus' message show us who is going to be happy. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. So Jesus says, if you want to know who's going to be happy, first it's the people who are poor in spirit. Now I think to connect with what it means to be poor in spirit, we need to connect with and just remind ourselves what it means to be poor. Jesus is talking about spiritual poverty, but I think it might be a little bit challenging to try to connect with that. And so um, just think about physical poverty. There's different levels of physical poverty, right? There are the working poor. These are folks who have jobs but don't make enough money to provide for their needs. Okay, then we have the unemployed poor. These are folks who are poor and they're out of work so that they have nothing, there's no way to bring in income. And then there's folks who are poor, they're unemployed, and they can't work. So they have no job, no opportunity, and they also have no ability to change their situation. That's serious poverty. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt. Who are the spiritual version of that reality. He says, blessed are those who realize and admit 
that they have spiritual problems. Blessed are those who realize that they can't fix their problems on their own. They are spiritually needy, and they realize it. They realize it. I was talking to somebody this week, um, a good friend of mine, and his life, it's a cycle of just tragedy because he was awfully abused growing up. And his abuse manifests itself later in life in how he treats people. And when things get really bad in terms of how he treats people, he kind of wakes up to what he's become. He hates himself. He goes through that cycle of depression and just just feeling awful about himself and beating himself up. And then after a while, that feeling sort of passes and then he sort of moves on. And I was talking to him this week and he'd gone through another cycle. And I told him, I said, you know, the only thing that you can do is to turn to God. And he said, you know, I remember going to church a long time ago and you know what, it just, I was never, I wasn't really there for the right reasons. And I was like, well, so you've got a perfect opportunity then, right? If you've never tried Jesus on his terms before, right, then you've got a shot at doing something that you haven't tried yet. And just kind of, blew me off. And I don't know what to do. I can see his poverty. He can see his poverty. But he's not willing to face the reality that he can't change himself on his own. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. Um, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. This is the response. It's, the first step is to realize you're spiritually poor. The second step is to respond with mourning. When you realize your spiritual bankruptcy, you should respond with sadness. Sadness. Like This is what Jesus would tell you. If you sense your spiritual bankruptcy, if you sense your spiritual brokenness, Jesus says that the way to respond to that is to be sad to mourn over it. Our our inability is sad. God's peace is corrupted in our world. The world is broken. And sadness is the appropriate next step. It's not anger. Because anger will blame someone else. Okay, it's not denial. Because that's not realizing honesty. But it's sadness. We need to come to a place where we are sad over our spiritual poverty. And then blessed are the meek. Jesus says that the third step is to become meek. Now, meek doesn't mean weak. Okay, meek means to be humble, which means not having too high an opinion of yourself. Okay, it means not being overly impressed with your own self-importance. Um, In Romans 12, verse 3, it says it this way. It says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think with sober judgment 
each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so meekness or humility, that's our reorientation. So you realize that you are spiritually poor, you respond with sadness, and then you reorient your life around humility. Around humility. Being humble means being teachable. Because if you recognize your spiritual need and you're sad about it, then you'll be open to getting help. Right? In AA, they talk about hitting bottom. And that's the point where you recognize, okay, I'm done. I, I am completely unable to fix this. That's that point of humility. And being humble means you're going to allow Jesus to teach you. This is one of the reasons that we're here. Like why we come to church on Sundays is, is to learn from Jesus. And so humility reorients our lives. Right? It's not proud in our response. It's humble. We don't have to hide the truth. We don't have to pretend it's not there. We don't have to perfume the pig and, and make ourselves look better than we are. We know what we are and what we aren't. And so realizing honesty means realizing that we're needy, responding in sadness, and then reorienting our lives around Jesus living humbly. Jesus says, if you do that, you will be blessed. If you do that, you'll be blessed. Why? Well, our second point, after you realize honesty, um, we're going to look at rewarding honesty. Rewarding honesty. Jesus says, if you are honest this way, then you will be blessed because he will bless you. Jesus says, blessed are the honest. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And so if you believe Jesus and follow him in this effort of honesty, you will be blessed. You are blessed. N.T. Wright, who um, is a phenomenal author on, on areas of Jesus, said this. He said, these words of Jesus, this is an announcement. It's not actually a philosophical analysis of the world. Okay, this is important. He said, it's about something that is starting to happen, not about a general truth of life. Okay, the point that he's making is that these things are not always true in all of life. Okay? In some parts of life, if you are meek, you will be stepped on and taken advantage of and abused. Um, if you mourn, in some parts of the world, you will be looked at as morbidly introspective, um, as taking life too seriously. Um, if you are poor in spirit, there are people in the world who will look at you and think, boy, you just don't have a clue how to manage life. But what is happening here with Jesus' is coming, Jesus is starting to make this true for people who are willing to follow him. Does that make sense? So what Jesus is saying here is truth for people who will follow him. And you might think it's crazy that the road to happiness comes through realizing your poverty through sadness and through humility. 
But Jesus says, these are the people God is looking for, and these are the people who will be blessed. If you are this way, Jesus is saying, you can be happy and begin to celebrate. Now, how are they going to be blessed? Well, Jesus tells us. He says, if you are poor in spirit, if you realize your spiritual poverty, to you belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, it's these people who recognize their need. They are the ones who embody part of the culture of heaven. But that's what the kingdom means. We talked about that last week. It's the culture of heaven. Their honesty, their willingness to admit their needs, that's what heaven is going to be like. Where we're not hiding, we're not defensive, we're not self-justifying but we're just, we're honest. That is heaven or an aspect of it. And so when you recognize, when you realize and admit your need, Jesus says to you, I will give the kingdom. You will begin to experience the culture of heaven. Then Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So if you respond with sadness, you will be comforted. God will comfort you. When you bring your sadness to him, he responds and gives you his comfort. You confess your poverty. God will declare you forgiven. That's why we confess our sins every week. It's so that you can re-experience the comfort of God. Jesus says when we come, he says, yeah, you're right. Your your inability is sad, but your inability is why I came to earth. You are why I am here. We've been talking about how God wants our hearts. He wants our devotion. Um, When we're sorry, God comforts us. He says, look, I understand. When you, are, when you recognize your poverty, when you respond with sadness, God looks you in the eye and he says, I really do understand. I know why you make the decisions that you make. I know why you pursue things that aren't good for you. I know it better than you do. I really do understand. I know how hard it is. I know the things that have been done to you. I also know the history of the way that you have contributed to this problem. And so I get it. I understand it. And the way that we are together going to fix this, it starts by you getting to a place where you are sad where you're acknowledging it. God says, I just want you to say that, you're, that, that you agree with me about this. I just want you to get to a place where you will, will you'll recognize and say, you know what, I don't want this, God. I don't want this for my life. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to treat people like this. I don't want to have this as part of my character. God says, that's where I want you. And if you get to that place, you need to know that Jesus died for your sin.
I sent my son because I love you. And I love you so that I want to forgive you. And Jesus didn't just die for you, but he lived for you. Your relationship with me is not based on your performance. It's not based even on your mourning, but it's based on Jesus' perfect life. He's lived it for you. That's what gives us a relationship. That's why I've adopted you. And now I want you to get to a place where you can mourn appropriately over your brokenness because then I will comfort you again and again and again and again and again. So if you mourn, Jesus says you're blessed because you're admitting it and you're responding the way God wants you to respond. And then Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is a declaration of the future. God's plan is to fix, and God is going to fix everything that's wrong with the world. He is going to usher in a renewed heavens and earth, a restored heavens and earth. He's going to fix the entire universe and make it completely and totally perfect. And when he does that, the meek will be in charge. The meek will be in charge. The people who will be there are the humble. The people who will be in the new heavens and the new earth are the folks who have admitted their poverty of spirit, who have mourned over their sin and have put themselves in a place of humility. God says, I will give you the culture of heaven now. And I'm going to give you more and more and more. Ultimately, I'm going to give you a completely renewed heaven and earth. So no matter what our circumstances are now, what is to come is glory. What is to come is real, uninterrupted, perfect happiness. That's what's coming. And Jesus says, if you follow me into these unlikely places, then you will follow me and you'll inherit the earth. These people, they show the culture of heaven now. And when heaven and earth are perfectly joined, they're going to be the ones who inherit it. So this is the reward for your honesty. If you're willing to realize, your, realize honesty, um, Jesus will reward your honesty. Our last point then is reacting to honesty. It's reacting to honesty. I want to give you a little illustration of of what this can look like for us. Last quarter, we talked about the picture, right? We have this ministry theme of blessed to be a blessing. That's our goal this year, that all of us would receive God's blessings and then pour out those blessings to others. Blessed to be a blessing. We talked about uh, how we're, we go from being cups to pitchers last quarter. Well, this year we have a new, or this quarter, we got a new way to illustrate that. It's a funnel. Jesus says, blessed are the funnels. Okay, blessed are the funnels. I'll show you why.
First of all, what's in the funnel? Nothing. It's empty. Blessed are the funnels. Blessed are people who realize when they're empty. Blessed are people who are sad about the fact that maybe more often than they'd like to admit, they are empty. And blessed are those who humbly look up to be filled. Jesus says that when you are poor in spirit, that heaven will open up and fill you. Jesus says when you recognize your poverty and your emptiness and you mourn over it, heaven will open and fill you up. Jesus says, blessed are you when you are humble enough to realize that this is your situation and you'll look up to receive from God. Folks, I want to invite you to become a funnel or to admit that you are a funnel today. I invite you to say, you know what, this is me. It's a little bit depressing because it's empty again. It's frustrating. But I think this is how God wants it because God doesn't think about his blessings as this list of gifts that he gives us. God thinks about his blessings as a relationship with him. God wants you to respond to your emptiness, your funnelness, and to recognize that sometimes it pours out pretty quick, sometimes it stays a little bit longer, but God wants you to realize that the way for you to be truly happy is to stay connected to him is to keep your relationship with him ongoing, to keep it consistent, just to spend time with him because that's how he continues to fill us. I think in some ways, what's powerful about this is this helps both Christians and non-Christians to understand one another. If you're not a Christian and you're here, um, this, it may be that your funnel has never been filled. And Jesus stands ready to fill you today if you're willing to humble yourself, to mourn over your sin and confess it to him. But for us as Christians, for those of you who are Christians, you kind of go through the same thing, right? We all have periods of emptiness. And so in this way, we can relate. And the answer for both of us is the same. This is what I did this week. I've had to come back to this truth time and time and time again. Um, in my life, like this truth has powerfully impacted my life. Um, periodically this week, I went back through 
and made a list of all the areas where I personally struggle, the areas where I sense a spiritual poverty. Some of those areas were in my personal character. Some of those areas were in relationships um, that I have. And then some of those areas were in my work, my job, what I do. And I made this list, and I went to God. And at least for me, this list, the, the, the impact that it has in my life is that it makes me feel overwhelmed and it makes me want to give up and it makes me confused about what I ought to do next. I just get overwhelmed and I don't know where to start. And so this week I took my list and I went to the Lord and I just, I, I confessed this list as areas where I am spiritually impoverished. And I was just, and then I was sad with God about it. I apologized. Um, and as I did that, like God began to meet me. I had this sense that, that God was saying, well, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you're recognizing this again. Um, and I felt like God was actually helping me. As I was mourning over the brokenness that I experienced, I felt like I was seeing even more of the impact of my brokenness. And it was actually helping me to realize things and impact that I hadn't thought about before. And then I just opened up my hands and I said, God, I need you. I need your help in these areas of my life. I need you desperately. I can't fix this on my own. I don't have a job to sort of fix. I don't know what to do to fix some of these areas. And I felt like God began to put on my heart, like, well, here's one thing that you can do in this area. Here's one way that you can respond in this area. And I honestly began to experience a renewal of happiness in my heart. I began to experience um, a bit of a revival in my perspective because that's what God does. That's how God responds. As I prayed, God drew near. He said, this is exactly where I want you. And he began to open up heaven and pour into me his comfort and his wisdom. This is, I think, the healthiest way for us to deal with the areas of life that we're frustrated with. We are all tempted to get angry about our, about our brokenness. Sometimes we get angry at ourselves. Sometimes we get angry at the people who point it out to us. Or we get angry at the people who provoke this stuff in us. Jesus says, blessed are the funnels. Blessed are the honest that you can come to God. I mean, this is what grace is, that you can come to God in your brokenness and know that he'll meet you there. God stands waiting to fill you up. What would your life look like if you were to be honest with God? How would your response to the broken things change? Some of you have never done this before. I'm excited to see 
what God will do in your heart and then in your life, in your relationships, in your workplace as you follow Jesus in this. Um, Others of you have done this before. Um, Some of you have cultivated a lifestyle where you do this as part of your continual relationship with God. If you've done this before, I want to encourage you to tell someone else what your experience was like. Because your story, your interaction with these kinds of things, this this way of following Jesus will will make these truths come alive for others. Sometimes we connect right with scriptures. Sometimes we connect with stories of people applying the scriptures. And so if you've done this before, this week, tell somebody in your community group, tell a friend, tell somebody. Let's all ask God to use us to be able to experience this and then to spread this so that other people can find happiness in these unlikely places. If you're ready to follow Jesus in this, um, boy, it'd be great if you could fill out the connection card. On the back, um, I'd love it if, if you want to commit to Jesus. We'd love to pray for you in this. We'd love to pray and support you in any way that we possibly can. You can write on the back of the card, like, I'm committing to doing this, and I need God's help. Um, If you'd be willing to do that, again, you can drop this in one of the offering boxes. We'd love to know how many of you are going to take this on and follow Jesus in this way. I'm doing this myself, and I invite you to come with me as we together follow Jesus and experience what he means when he says, blessed. Let's pray together. Lord, I confess, there's so many areas where I am spiritually impoverished. God, where I experience real spiritual poverty. And so I want to lead my brothers and my sisters uh, into your presence and ask on behalf of us all, God, that you would lead us to be able to trust you enough to confess these things. Or we confess that we are not what we should be. We confess that we are not what we want to be. And God, we pray that you would give us the blessing of your kingdom. Lord, our brokenness brings us great sadness because we want to see your name hallowed and your ways known and made famous here in our city. And when we don't do these things and we don't follow Jesus in this way, we actually cover up the light. So Lord, we need your comfort and your forgiveness. And Lord, now we gather together at the foot of the cross and look up humbly, knowing that it's, it's not us, but it's you. It's your power that's going to change us. And Lord, we reach up to you and ask for you to give us what we need, for your truth, for your presence, then for the courage and the strength to follow Jesus in this. Lord, help us to be, I mean, these are the people that 
that we need to be, but these are the people our city needs. These are the people the world needs. And we pray, Lord, that as we experience your happiness in this, that you would help us to share your happiness with others, both in our church family and also folks who don't know you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.